Exodus chapter 20. I want to read a few verses of Scripture that are very familiar. Then I want to try to bring what the Lord put on my heart. Exodus chapter 20 and verse number 3. If you would, you can stand just for a minute because I won't preach about an hour and a half. (laughs) Verse number 3. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. Verse 7. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. The word vain means without worth. You hear people, hear people say, oh God, that's without worth. Jesus Christ, it's a byword, that's without worth. That's in vain. That's cursing God. Verse number 10. But on the seventh day, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughters, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor the stranger that is within thy gates. Verse 13. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is is thy neighbor's. Verse 23. Ye shall not make uh, make with me gods of silver, neither shall she make unto you gods of gold. There's a lot of shall nots there, aren't there? Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the scripture. Oh, my. So thankful that you've given us the word of God. And I'm so blessed to have a copy, multiple copies of your word. Help me to use it more effectively in my life. Lord, as I open this Bible and try to give that that you've given me to give these people. Would you put a watch over my mouth? I'd say nothing displeasing to you. But at the same time, give me the courage that I need to say everything that I should. Prepare our hearts for the word of God. Help us to accept the engrafted word of God. We'll thank you for what you do and bless your name. For we love you, Lord, and want to serve you. In Christ's name we say, we pray, amen. You can be seated. If we look in this passage of scripture that I read, there are numerous references to the, references to the fa- phrase, shall not. When you talk to the world concerning our salvation and our Christianity, they'll tell you right quick, don't want anything to do with it. Got too many shall nots in it. So it's just full of shall nots. You can't, you can't, you can't, you can't. Shall not do this, shall not do that. It's too restrictive. Let me tell you, we'd have a lot less killing and a lot less problems if we took those shall nots, the moral law of Moses and started living by them. It'd be a lot different in our world today. But it's too restrictive, they say, and 
We don't want anything. It makes life miserable. You can't live a life. I can't live with so many shall nots in my life, they say. That's all Christianity is. It's a religion of shall nots. And I agree. There are shall nots in Christianity. There shall nots in all religions. You know, there shall nots and there shall nots in our laws. If you don't believe it, you get on 411 and go down through there when that little blue car sitting up on top of the hill where it come back in three lanes and you see if he doesn't have you a shall not waiting on you in a little piece of paper and you'll pay out uh, out your nose trying to get out of that shall not that you wasn't supposed to do when you're driving too fast. There's shall nots in everything. I know that my daddy has some shall nots. Yeah, and you didn't cross them but once or twice. You'd figured out it was pretty tough. Well, we do live by a set of rules. But they're not only shall nots that are negative, but they're shall nots in the scripture that are positive. Anything that has power about it has a negative and a positive to it. Even salvation has a negative and a positive to it. Amen. If you've got to first of all see that you're lost and undone without God and have no hope in this world before the gospel of Jesus Christ who says anybody that will come, I'll take him and save him, make him a new creature. That negative sure brings that positive into light, doesn't it? Well, we're looking at a lot of these shall not, shall not, shall not. A lot of people take them as negatives, but they are some in the scripture that are positive. Keep your Bibles handy and we'll look at some of them. Like, for instance, the shall not of provision. Psalms chapter 23 and verse number one. The Bible says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. In other words, God's going to provide for us. He'll take care of us. Psalm chapter 34 and verse 10 says, the young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Now that's a good shall not. That's a very positive shall not. So not only do we have some negatives, we have some positive shall nots. God has promised us that we won't want in our lives. I like that. You say, well, that's just not. No, you can look at it either way you want to. You can look with a a half empty or a half full glass. I like the full myself. I'm not, I'm, I'm not sure how he'll provide. It's amazing how he does it. I remember how he provided for us in school. Do you know one year we went to school, to had three kids and went to school, and I paid income tax on $3,000? You say, how you do that? I've got no earthly idea. I, have, I don't know. But God took care of us the whole time we were there in school. You see, I had to learn that I could depend on God before I go to some place like the mission field where he'd call us. And God took us through Tennessee Temple, not only to, to teach us some stuff out of the word of God, but to teach us that there is a God in heaven that will provide and take care of you if you put your faith and your trust in Almighty God. He may do it by a raven, by a brook. Or he may do it by a widow woman that doesn't have anything either. But God says he'll provide. So that's the provision, the shall not a provision. If you would, not only that, you can take your Bibles and look in the book of John, if you would, please. The book of John, chapter 5 and verse 24. I got a bunch of scriptures, so just keep your Bible handy. Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. 
and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death to life. There is a shall not of punishment. We shall not be punished. There are some people that think we're going to go through part of the tribulation period. Let me tell you something. That's not a rapture. That's a rupture. Amen. There's no halfway. God's not going to let us go through half punishment. Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary took my punishment like our pastor preached this morning and paid the sin debt completely. And in, in doing that, I'm not, I'm not destined for punishment. Oh, no, oh, no, no, no. I'm not destined for punishment. Romans chapter 1 says there, 8 verse 1 rather says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. There was a condemnation of death hanging over me. And it was one on you too before you got born in the family of God. In my best efforts, I could not take that off. I could not remove it. I was a good kid. I was, born, I was born in a good godly family. I appreciate my mom and daddy taking me to the house of God. They were asked to go to Michigan where everybody was going to work in the car plants and make money. But my mom and daddy decided it'd be best for us to stay around here and keep us in the church house and around God's word. And that's exactly what happened to us. I got saved at an age because, early age because I was in the church. Somebody had a heart for me. Somebody made mention of me. Somebody prayed for me. And every one of us, somebody spent time on their knees for us. There's another one. He that believeth on him is not condemned. He that believeth not is condemned already. I've believed. I'm not under the punishment of God. He sh and shall not come into condemnation. So there's a good shall not. Let me give you another one, if you would, please. Uh, John chapter number 8. John 8. Verse number 12. The shall not of a path. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. In the book of Psalms, David said it like this, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. If you're walking in darkness, let me tell you, you're not walking in the light of the word of God and not walking and following the Lord Jesus. He said you're not walking in darkness. Shall not walk in darkness. I don't have time to go through all of that. I've got about five or six more. We see that the shall not of a path. We see the shall not of persistence, if you would, in Psalm chapter 16 and verse number 8. The Lord says, I have set the Lord always, uh, David said, I have set the Lord always before me because he is on my right hand. I shall not be moved. The only thing I can say is that I'm glad that there are some that you can rest upon, some scriptures that are persistent. You can stand when it's tough if you're standing on God, what he has to say here. The only thing I can say is I'm grateful that there's some shall nots in the word of God. Maybe there's some that are negative. Yes, yes. But thank God there's some that are positive too. He said, I shall not be moved. I shall not of his presence, if you would please. Isaiah chapter 43. Isaiah chapter 43. The shall not of his presence, that's what made me think when Brother uh, Michael and Miss Sue were singing, guarantee of his presence. Verse number 2, 43-2, when they passed through the waters, 
I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the fire flame kindled upon thee. This is a general promise to, the, to Israel. It means whenever and wherever they, Israel, should pass through the water of fire, he'd protect them. There's assurance in this order that God's put in here and comfort in the middle of calamities because they knew what was about to happen. They knew they were going to a fight. Fire and water you often use in the scriptures denotes a calamity. The water becomes overwhelming and the fire because it consumes. But I know what the future holds uh, for us that are saved. I don't know what the future holds for me personally in my life, nor neither do you. We may not make it home. Who knows? But I can tell you this, I do know that I have his constant presence with me because of that. There's a promise of his presence. My Lord is ever present to me, with me, and enough he helps me. The psalmist said like this in Psalm 46.1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. There are times today when we need and his presence when troubles comes and heartaches come. We need his presence. And David is saying, I want you to know he is a very present help. And he says here in, in verse number uh, two, they shall not overflow flow thee the calamities of life and the fire shall not consume thee because he said he'd be there. His presence is always with us. Hebrews chapter 13, 5 says this, Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. I want you to know we have a presence of God. You say, well, brother, where I don't know it. That doesn't mean he's not there. Well, I can't feel him. That don't mean he's not there. You say, how can you say it? He's promised us in his word. You can bank on it. When in our studies in Sunday school, I made the, I made the promise, a, a point that you never have faith in anything that you don't have a promise before. He said, I'll never leave you. There's your promise. You can put faith that God's always with you because he said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. So there's a shall not of his presence. Now I'm already down to number six. I'm doing good. The shall not of his purpose. If you would please. Matthew 16 and verse number eight. Jesus asked his disciples, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? And they went down the list. And Peter says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Verse 18. I said to thee also that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I misinterpreted that scripture for years in my life. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Do you know those gates are not an offensive weapon? Gates are a defensive weapon. You don't challenge somebody with a gate. They run behind it to get away from the problem. 
The Bible says that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. That means we as the church of the living God shall be attacking the very gates of hell with the word of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's part of our job. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know that the church is the most important institution or organism apart from the family that God ever did on this earth. He's given us promises. God will establish and has established his church. And God uses the church. I am a church person. I don't mind telling everybody that. I love the church. I go to church. I love the people of the church. I love the God of the church. I've always, I've always been in church. I was saved in a church. The Lord gave himself for the church. Don't let anybody put the church down. Hey, listen, if you'll not let somebody speak ill and evil of your wife, you should not let somebody speak evil and ill of the house of God either. If you're a member of the church, you ought to, of a church, you ought to stand up for that church and for the man of God that goes there. He said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. This is the shall not of his purpose. Hook up with the church, folks. God's promised that he's going to build his church. He'll build his church. You say, well, I don't see it. It don't matter. He's going to build his church. He said he would. I like to stay close to him. If you stay close to the church, you'll be staying close to him. He knows that someone coming faithfully to the house of God will get right with God. That's why the devil fights it so well. He fights the church. Why does he get, why do they have, why do they have Little League Baseball on Wednesday night? Why not Tuesday? Why not Thursday? Why not Monday, Wednesday night? And anybody, if this, if this chafes you, then you'll just be chafed. Anybody that would keep their child out to play baseball out of the house of God has got a little problem with loving the church as they ought to. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> the, the devil knows if somebody comes to the house of God and they backslid on God, they stand to the preaching of the word of God. It won't take long. So they'll either get in or get out. Amen. Amen. The lost can't, shouldn't be able to come to the house of God and feel at ease in the house of God. They should go home feeling uneasy. Amen. When the power of God's around, they should feel uneasy. I know I did. Every time before I got saved, I hated to go to church. Before I got lost, it didn't bother me a bit. But when I got lost, it, I hated to go to church. I couldn't find enough excuses. It didn't work, but I had excuses anyway. My mom and dad took me to church. And if somebody's not, not right with God, they come to church and the preach of the word of God, God touches their heart and they get right with God, then guess what they'll start doing? They'll start telling other people about Jesus. They'll start giving out gospel tracts. They'll start witnessing. And the devil knows that. So he wants, he's why he's against the church. The shall not of his purpose. He will build his church. You know how I know? In Ephesians chapter number 5 and verse 27, the Bible talks about how man ought to love his wife. And he talks about the church, about the Lord giving himself for the church, that he might present it to himself a glorious church. 
not have his spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that it should be holy and without blemish. The shall not of his purpose. He's going to bring his purpose about. He's going to bring it about in our life too as we are progressively sanctified under the word of God by the washing of the water of the word and how he deals in our hearts and moves us closer to him and speaks to our heart. Well, let me give you one more. The shall not of his permanence. Matthew chapter 25 and verse 24 and verse 35 says this. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Our culture has changed so much in my short lifespan that we're almost in a different dimension. Now, we, I, I remember when we were kids, we'd go out and play, tell my, I'd do my little chores in the morning, and they wouldn't see me except time they'd get a bite to eat and go back out and play again. Now you got to watch your kids like a hawk. Now you can't let your wife go somewhere by herself hardly without arming her to the teeth. My wife carries an AR-15, so watch out, y'all. I'm teasing. <clears throat> there was loyalty in, in family. There was loyalty in communities. I mean, you could get in trouble at somebody else's house. Amen. You could get in trouble at somebody else's house, not even at your own, get in trouble. You, there was loyalty to, to your job. People went to work. They went to work all the time. When they were supposed to be at work, they was at work. Sometimes if they had a hangnail, they'd even go to work. Ain't that amazing? They'd have a bad cold, they'd go to work. Amen. Because they knew that their employer was dependent on them to be there to get the job done. And not only was there loyalty to the job, but the, the, the boss and the, the people that hired had a loyalty to their employees. Now it's not like that. You work on a job for 20 years. They'll come in and fire you and put it off on a 23-year-old that can't stick his eye, his finger in his eye with a funnel and pay him about half of what they're paying you. Amen. And wonder why the business is not going good. Amen. You said, preacher, you had that happen to you? No, but I've heard about it. <clears throat> There's no permanence in anything anymore. I remember when if your starter started messing up, you'd go, but wouldn't engage. You had a Bendix problem. So you'd take the starter out. You'd go down to the parts store and buy some parts and fix the Bendix on your starter and hook it back up. It's not that stowaway now. <clears throat> you, you can't buy a parts for a Bendix on a starter. Now you've got to buy the whole stinking starter. And you have to take out a loan from the bank to buy that. Things have changed. Amen. But our God's not like that. Our God's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. You can bank on that. The promises of God are true. God never changes. What he said one time, he'll do every time. He's a God like that that keeps his word. There's a permanence in God that you can build your life upon. You can take the word of God and the promises of the word of God and build your life upon it and have the best life you'll ever have. You say, but if I just a millionaire, you'd probably be miserable. Seeing these people who win the lottery, before long they're killing themselves. Got all this money. They've had, they, all of a sudden they find out that they're akin to half the congregation in the church where half the people they know, they're, they're their uncles or their aunts or their 
grandchildren or there's something. It's amazing. The permanence of the promises of the Lord of God, the Word of God. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, it says, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the Word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. It never changes, it shall not. If you think there's no one you can count on, you can just listen. You can count on the Word of God. You can count on the God of this Bible. He abideth forever. That means he's permanent. You can count on him. Uh, Psalmist said, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. Prophet Isaiah took the, the pen of authorship and, and wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost about the words of his permanence in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 30 and 31. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fail. But they that wait upon the Lord, number one, shall renew their strength. Number two, they shall mount up with wings as eagle. Number three, they shall run and not be weary. Number four, they shall walk and not faint. There's a permanence from the word of God and the permanence in our God. He is exactly what he said he was and he'll do exactly what he says he'll do. And then there's a power that shall not of his power. Romans 6.14 For sin shall not have dominion over you for you are not under the law but under grace. He penned it down in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13 like this. There is no temptation taken you but such is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able but with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. I love the chorus, what a mighty God we serve. It's so true. We serve a mighty God. It's something that we need to be more mindful of, that our God is a mighty God, that our kids need to know that our, we serve a mighty You know, it's nothing wrong with letting your children know if you had a problem and that there's something you need to pray about. There's nothing wrong with letting your kids know, listen, we're in a little financial bind here and we need God to do something for us and we need to pray. Because when God does something for you, it'll encourage them and it'll increase their faith. Let me ask you this. If I talk to your children, if I ask your children, can you tell me your daddy or your mama's profession of faith when they got saved, the story, what happened to them? Could you do that? Does your kids know how, what happened to you, how God dealt in your life and how he changed you and how he made you new? If he don't, then if, if your kids can't tell you that, if your grandkids can't tell you that, you need to be going and telling them what God's done for you. It'll help them in their, in their Christian life. <clears throat> because our God's powerful. I remember our youngest, Julie, I'd go to, go to the bed at night and I'd look and see the light coming out from under her door. I'd go peck on the door and she said, come in and I'd open the door. She's 13, 14 years old. She's laying there with her little light on the nightstand on and her Bible out and, her, and she's leaning up reading her Bible laying on her bed. And I said, honey, it's getting late. She said, yes, sir, daddy. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be through reading in just a minute and I'll turn the light out. I'd go on about my business. A little bit later I asked her, I said, let me ask you something, Judy. Why is it so important to you that you read your Bible every night? Why is it so important to you that you pray and read your Bible? Why is it so important to you? She told me this. She said, Daddy, 
I've seen the relationship that you and mama have with God. And I want my own relationship. I don't want to piggyback off of you and mama. I want to have my own relationship with God. That's the kind of God we've got. He's powerful enough not only to take care of you, but he can take care of your little old kids. And they ought to know what he's done for you. You ought to be able to, you ought to recite the stories and the blessings that God has done in your life and what he's done for you to glorify him. And it'll help them strengthen them in their Christian life also. We have a powerful God. Sure, there are negative commands in the word of God. Sure, there's negative things when it comes even to God's people. I hate to say it, but we're not all perfect. Just me. No, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. We've all had things that, I, I know some things in my life that I, oh, if there was an eternal racer that I could go back and, and erase, there's a lot of things I would erase out of my life. But then there are other things that I wouldn't dare touch. They're so precious to me. And my relationship with God and what God's done to me, it's kept me on the mission field when nothing else would keep me on the mission field. It's kept me preaching the word of God when nothing else would keep me preaching the word of God. It's kept me trying to live for God when nothing else would. Oh, no, no. Your kids ought to know what God's done for you. We have a powerful God. I wouldn't be amiss if I didn't deal with not only the positives, but there are some shall nots for the lost people. The Bible says in Proverbs eleven twenty one, though hand join in hand, the wicked shall not be unpunished. Psalms fifty five twenty three, but thou, O God, shall bring them down to the pit of destruction. Bloody and deceitful men shall not live out half their days, but I will trust in thee. Psalms chapter 1 verse 5, Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Psalms 5, 5, The foolish shall not stand in thy sight. Thou hatest all workers of iniquity. And then the Proverbs chapter number one. I've got a few verses I need to read. If you'll listen to me and I'll be through. Because I've called and ye refused. I've stretched out my hand and no man regarded. But ye have said it not all my counsel. You just wouldn't have anything to do with what I've been trying to tell you. And with none of my reproof I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh. Proverbs one twenty seven, When your fear cometh as a desolation and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind, when distresses and anguish cometh upon you, then shall you call upon me. It's too late. Then shall you call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. Do you know it's a dangerous thing to be a lost person and sit in a church house every Sunday and hear the preaching of the word of God? It's a dangerous thing. For they hated knowledge 
did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would none of my counsel. They despise all my reproof. Therefore shall they eat of the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. For the turning away of the simple shall slay them and the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. It is a fearful thing to sit in the church of the living God, hear the preaching of the word of God from the man of God and the Holy Spirit touch your heart and woo you and you not respond. It's a terrible thing. He talks about trodden underfoot the blood of the covenant. How much sore punishment would be those for those who do just that. You say, well, you were talking about those positives. Yeah, but there's negatives too. We need to, we need to know the negatives too. Especially if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Or especially if you're here and you know him and you're not living for him and you're hearing the preaching of the word of God and the love of God being manifested before you from the preaching of the word of God and in the lives of God's people and you're turning into the other things of this world. Shall not. I like to grab a hold of some of them. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Amen. Do you know him? I mean, do you really know him? I'm not talking about have you been baptized? I can baptize you, never mud hole from here to Atlanta. That won't get you to heaven. Oh, but I'm a member of the church. You can be a member of every church between here and Chattanooga. That won't get you to heaven. But I had this experience. If it don't back up by the word of, if it's not backed up by the word of God, it won't stand when you stand before God Almighty. Witnessing one day and trying to tell witness to a woman. And she said, oh yes, I know the Lord. And she comes this big story, ball of fire and puff of smoke stuff. And I said, well ma'am, there's only one thing about that. That's not salvation in the Bible. And her conclusion was this. I don't care what the Bible says. I know what happened to me. If your experience does not, is not backed up by the word of God, then it's just an experience. It's not salvation. A little old boy at 12 years old, I got saved, uh, 13 years old, I got saved by accident. I'll tell you that and I'll be through. In the altar. Sherlock Baptist Church. I'd been to the altar on Tuesday in the day service, preacher. I'd repented of all my sins except one. I really liked it. And you know what I got? No peace. Still went home at night and scared to death I was going to die and go to hell because I knew that I, myself, I was lost. I had never been saved. I was a sinner. Me, me, not somebody else. Like that song says, not my sister, not my brother, but it's me, oh Lord. You got to understand it is a personal thing. On that Friday night, the last night of that revival meeting, I think it was the last night, I don't know. I have no idea what the preacher preached. I was under such deep conviction he could have preached out the funny papers wouldn't change anything for me. 
but I knew where I was at. And I want everybody here to know if you've never been saved, I want you to know where you're at. Mom and daddy can't do this for you. Friend, neighbor, they can't do this for you. This is between you and God. And I remember that night I went up, I confessed every sin. I, Brother Edward, I confess sins I ain't even done. I need to be saved. I need to get that load of guilt off of me. I was a sinner before a thrice holy God and I was scared to death I was going to die and go to hell. They come by and said, turn loose. Free turn loose. I didn't know what I was supposed to turn loose of, but I turned loose, I guess. Next one come by and say, hold on, freeze, hold on. He just told me to turn loose and he's telling us. One said, give up, Freed, give up. Another come by and say, don't give up, don't give up. I was probably in the altar. I'm serious. But Mike, I was probably in the altar an hour and a half. I was sitting on the mourner's bench. My knees and legs had gone numb. I got up on the mourner's bench, sat down and put my elbows on my knees and my head in my hands. And I said, dear Lord, I have, I have confessed every sin that you've heard of. Much less the things I've done. All I know is this. If I die and go to hell, I'm going to die and go to hell trusting in you. And when I put my faith in Jesus Christ, that load that felt like as big as this church building was gone instantaneously gone. I wasn't afraid anymore. There was no fear in my heart. I knew something had taken place. I'd passed from death unto life and didn't even know it. Amen. There was a record keeper writing my name in the Lamb's Book of Life. Didn't know that. All I knew was the guilt was gone. I was so guilty. And all I did, I stood straight up. And that preacher that had asked me the year before, have I ever thought about needing to be saved? And I told him no, because I hadn't. But I sure got lost after that. Gene Buchanan grabbed me. I don't know, I don't know what Gene Buchanan looks like. My memory's foggy on that. But he grabbed me and shouted all over the church house. I thought he was going to break my back. What do you mean? Only eternity will tell it. I believe Gene Buchanan had labored over me in prayer. I know my mom and daddy had, preacher. I'd heard him in the other room. Dear Lord, all I'm saved but freed. Won't you say freed, Lord? Won't you say freed? You don't have to worry. There's some shall nots in the scripture. Once you get saved, you shall not come into condemnation. Shall not. Don't have to worry about that. You say you're not afraid of death. It's like a human being is. Yes, I am. 
Uh, death scares me. It's the unknown. It scares you. But I'm not about worried about where my soul's going to be. You have to remember, we're a soul with a body, not a body with a soul. This pop's going to go. This is going to go. But we're going to meet Jesus one of these days. Let me ask you something. God forbid if there's somebody here that's lost tonight and leaves this place lost. If you don't know Jesus tonight, tonight, not tomorrow night, tonight, won't you come to him? Won't you know that he'll do exactly what he says? He'll change your life. He'll give you everlasting life. He'll save you. You can pass from death unto life. You can have your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You can never have to worry about going to hell again. All you got to do is come to him. He said, if any man come to me, I'll in no wise, and for no reason, I won't cast him out. You can't get mean enough. You can't get small enough. You can't get big enough. You can't. He'll take you just like you are. I believe there's somebody here that needs to be saved tonight for I believe there's some folks here who need to look in the scriptures and some of these things that I've tried to tell them and, and gain encouragement and strength from the shall nots that are good in the scripture. Lord, I can't work in anybody's heart. But if there's somebody here and their heart's beating a little bit fast, they're feeling a little uncomfortable, Lord, would you surely let them know that that's not Brother Wireless doing that. That it's the sweet Holy Ghost of God that's troubling their soul. I pray, Father, if there's someone like that tonight, would you save them tonight, Lord? Would you help them to come trust you as their Savior? Lord, we don't want to go to heaven without them. We sure don't want to believe them. Go to a place of eternal damnation. Lord, would you please Push back all the foolish pride that they might have in their life. Help them to realize the reality of knowing Jesus. Having their sins forgiven. Won't you do that for us tonight, Lord? And if we're saying to God that needs encouragement, I pray some of the things I've said has been an encouragement to them. We'll thank you for what you do. If there's somebody here tonight, Say, preacher, I'm not saved. I'm not saved. I realize my wife can't do this for me. My husband can't do this for me. My dad and my mom can't do this for me. This is between me and you. Lord, I need to be saved tonight. Is there one? Say, preacher, I'm not saved. I'm not sure if I died right now, I'd go to heaven. Is there one I sure would like to pray for you?